You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. I would like to welcome you to Palm Vista Community Church and our Advent series. That's right. We're concluding our Advent series today. Why? Because we're a primarily Hispanic church. And what is today? Three kings. Reyes Magos. That's right. If you're not Hispanic, you're wondering, what did he just say? Three kings. Yes, the three kings. So this is the day, January 6th, where many Latin children would have gone to sleep last night and put some straw underneath their bed in hopes that this morning that their parents or the three kings would have given them gifts. And I realize for many of us, my parents came here from Cuba, uh, that, that tradition is really gone. Uh, I was speaking to the ladies that serve coffee to us there at Casavana, and uh, they were saying, I'm glad that tradition's gone because that was costing me way too much money. We did Christmas on the 25th and then three kings on the 6th. Now all we do is Christmas. Uh, but seriously, this morning we want to continue or at least conclude our series entitled Glory Expressed, Glory Expressed. And this is a very important message because I believe God's heart for us this morning, church, is to communicate to you and to me not only what glory is all about. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. Glory is this, this presence of God that is so awesome that it draws our hearts. It draws our affections. It is the thing we need in 2019 to capture us. God's glory captures our hearts. And that glory is defined in his word. And now that glory this morning is going to be expressed. How does God express his glory? Is it through a beautiful landscape? Is it it in the Grand Canyon or the Himalayan mountains or the vast seas? Well, yes, but do you want to know what the Bible says? The primary way God expressed his glory by dying naked on a cross. Let that settle into you for a moment. The God of all creation chose the focal point of his glory to be a place of shame and weakness. Why? Because here is God's choice for revealing his glory. The place where you and I, if you're a believer this morning, can receive God's mercy. The place where God's glory shines brightest is the place where God's mercy is revealed to us. Now I want you to think about God's glory for a moment. We're preaching on how that glory is expressed. I'm telling you the Bible is is directing us to one place, the cross. And, and you can say, okay, God's glory is expressed in a visual way as we see the cross. But this morning, I'm going to invite you to engage another sense that God has given you. Not simply the visual, but the olfactory sense. The smell. The scent. 
This morning, I want to introduce to you a concept that God's glory is expressed by the sweet fragrance of mercy that was released when Jesus was broken at the cross for the sins of his people. Think of a precious container with perfumes, and that container is shattered. And from that shattered container comes the scent and the fragrance of mercy. And God says in his word, at that place is where my glory shines brightest. The world says it's foolishness. The world says it's weakness. God says it is the place of my glory. It is where the fragrance of God's glory is expressed at the cross. So here's the question for you and me. Does our life give off the scent of God's glory? If indeed the Bible says that God's glory is seen brightest at the cross where mercy is exercised and mercy is received. And if that glory this morning is going to be now the scent of it, which is mercy. And if that's where glory is expressed, Christian, do our lives have the scent of God's glory? The scent of mercy. Is this the scent we give off to those around us? Our family members, our friends, others in the church, our workmates, our neighbors, even strangers that we interact with. Is it mercy? Is it patience? Is it kindness? When that person doesn't treat us in a considerate or kind way. When they forget to do something that we ask them to do. When that person openly defies us or disagrees with our opinion. When that person doesn't seem to appreciate how we are serving them but rather selfishly demands us to serve them even more. When the thanks don't come, but instead only veiled criticism, or perhaps worse, total indifference to our work and our efforts in our life. How do we respond? Is there mercy? Does the scent of mercy emerge from our lives? The scent of patience and kindness That's the question. Let's turn to our text to hear the answer. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36. And let us hear what Jesus Christ is preaching. I believe that Jesus is preaching this at the beginning of his ministry, knowing that he will end up at the cross where the glory of God will be expressed through the mercy of God received. I believe he's preaching now, pointing to that moment. For it is at the cross that glory shines brightest. It is at the cross that the scent of mercy is released on this earth. Thank God for the cross. Luke 6, 27 to 36. Please turn there. Look at the words with me as I read them. Let them penetrate your heart. Jesus is preaching. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. There's the key. How do we express God's glory? The same way that God expressed his glory to us, by being merciful to the ungrateful and the evil. See, that's the main point of this text. God had mercy on us in Christ, and therefore he says, here's how you express my glory. My glory is expressed there as I had mercy on you in Christ. Now you go and have mercy on others. And as your life is broken, and as you do that, because you've experienced mercy, and your life is broken open, that fragrance will, will, will burst out. And my glory will be expressed in the most unusual of ways. What does glory expressed look like? Well, let's change that question for a second. What does glory expressed smell like? Smells like mercy. Main point of this text is right here on the screen. Be merciful toward one another as your heavenly father is merciful. Be merciful toward one another as your heavenly father is merciful. Friends, I'm praying that our hearts would be characterized by this mercy because this mercy expressed at the cross is the scent of glory. It's glory revealed to our senses, in this case, to our smell, to our lives. It's the fragrance that changes us forever and ever and ever. Mercy describes how God treats us and how we should treat one another. Point one, God is merciful toward us. Verse 36 of this text really is the key verse. Be merciful, comma. Why? Even as your father is merciful. God revealed his glory at the cross where he took our sins. Listen, this is what happened at the cross. I never tire of sharing this with you. Jesus Christ, who is perfect, lived the perfect life, went on to the cross, and yes, he was naked, church. I realize that's uncomfortable to think about. I realize this, and he's no longer a baby. It's one thing for a baby to be naked in a manger, But now we're 33 years later. We're having a fully grown adult man who is shamed naked on the cross. You have to ask yourself, why? Christian, why? Think about it for a second. Why would God in the flesh agree to that? Because God's ways are not our ways. I would display my glory through my wonderful powers, my intellect, my bank account. God displays his glory by Taking our shame. That's why he was naked on the cross. By receiving the wrath that we richly deserve because we're rebels against God. He took it in our place. And then on the cross, he gave us his righteousness. So rather than wrath, which ends in punishment, eternal punishment, we get righteousness, which ends in eternal glory, sharing that glory with God. God chooses to give us that glory. And here's the deal. We don't deserve it. That's mercy. That's glory expressed. That's what God did for us. He is merciful toward us. And because God had mercy on us at the cross, 
And that's where he displayed his glory. He calls us to be merciful toward others. That's how we express his glory. Point two, be merciful toward others. Again, verse 36, be merciful. The cross is the supreme illustration of God's glory. God did not treat us as our sin deserved, but rather gave us what we did not deserve. Therefore, God is saying we don't treat others as their sins or weaknesses deserve, but rather we give them mercy. We treat others mercifully when they fail to fulfill their commitment to us. We treat others mercifully when they show up late to an event that is very important to us, Ah, but maybe not so important to them. We, we are merciful when they don't respond or delay in returning our emails, our calls, our texts. We're merciful when they don't carry their weight at home, in the church, at work, in our, in our neighborhoods. We express mercy when they make the same mistake for the third or fourth time in a row. We express mercy when people say one thing but do another. See, as we understand God's mercy toward us, as the cross and the scent of the cross gives scent to our lives, so that when we walk into a room, we say, oh, that person has the scent of God's glory, mercy on their lives. Being in South Florida, we're familiar with this, right? There are, there are times I go shopping with my wife and, and a person's scent will arrive to my nose about five minutes before their body arrives to my nose. Listen, our lives carry the same scent. What is the scent that your life gives off? Trust me, people smell it. You know how you can get used to the scent of your own home or your life, right? But then you walk into someone else's home and you go, whew. (laughs) You get used to your own scent. God's asking you to take a moment, stop. Cleanse your palate, your olfactory palate. Not your taste, but your smell. And let the Spirit of God minister grace to you. Ask yourself, what's the scent my life gives off? It's an important question. Because God expresses his glory through the scent of mercy. Whose focal point is the cross. Therefore, God is saying, be merciful. Express my glory by being merciful to others. Now here's the question. All right, Al, great. What is the fragrance of mercy? What's it made of? How can I be merciful? What does that look like? Well, the rest of this text tells us. Point three, mercy's fragrance. Starting in verse 27, all the way down through verse 35, we have a description, a detailed description of what the fragrance of mercy is like. What it's made of, the most precious ointment on earth. And according to verses 27 and 28, look at them with me. It's comprised of three things, primarily. Verse 27, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. So here's the deal. To express mercy, to express glory, which is revealed by mercy, the fragrance of glory, we do three things. We don't just put up with someone, but rather we move toward them and we do three things. We do good to those who hate us. Now, this is an extreme example, right? If you're to love your enemy, then you're to love your spouse when sometimes they act like your enemy or your children or your neighbor or your boss or whomever. 
We're to do good to those who hate us. We are to bless those who curse us. And we are to pray for those who abuse us. See, what this text is saying is that mercy refuses to take vengeance against those who either sin against us or whose weaknesses really irritate us or are harming us or hurting us or slowing us down or whatever. That's what verse 29 is all about. Look at it with me. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. See, the idea is this. It is not that we allow evil to prosper in this world. That is not what this is saying. The whole idea of giving them your other cheek isn't that you let them hit you again. It's not what this text is teaching. That is a a form of passivism that I think says more than what the Bible is saying. Here's what he means. And we as Hispanics, if you are Hispanic, should understand this. You know how when we greet a friend, how do do we greet a friend in the Hispanic culture? We give them a kiss on the cheek. So what this is saying is, when someone's sin affects me, I'm going to see that justice is done. If there's an illegal action, I'm going to call the police. And we're going to have justice done. But in the midst of that, I'm not going to take vengeance against that person. I'm going to still pray for them. I'm going to do them good. I'm going to pray that we can be reconciled. I'm not going to withhold my friendship from someone who's weak. Because let's face it, most of the time what we're talking about here is weakness. Sometimes the weakness is sin. But a lot of times it's just things people do that just irritate us. And you know what? They're they're just legitimate things that people do. Like putting the toilet paper in the wrong way. We all know the roll comes over the top, right? (laughs) We laugh about that. But how about when someone gets in an accident? No one's trying to hurt anybody. Most of the time. (laughs) But, you know, accidents happen. Or when you forget to lock the front door, you forget to turn the AC down, or you forget to do this, or you forget to pay a bill. And this happened to me when we first moved here. I just forgot to pay the water bill. One day we turn on the water. Ah, no water! We all have weaknesses, right? It's in those moments. It's in those moments that God says, I've crafted that weakness So that you might grow in mercy. Because when you do, my glory is expressed on this earth. When you express mercy toward a weakness or a sin, at that moment, my glory is revealed in powerful ways. This is the hidden way. God's glory is not primarily revealed through a worship service, although it is. It's not primarily revealed through a great sermon. I'm not saying this one is one of those, but you know, it's not that or a worship time where you're up in the heavenlies. That's good. And that's part of it. But God's glory is revealed when no one else is looking, but you and your child, you and your spouse, you and that cash register person, you and that person that you're calling on the, on the helpline because your computer doesn't work or your bank account got messed up and how you relate to that person, even when they're weak, even when they're wrong or worse, when they're sinning at that moment, the glory of God pops out when mercy and kindness are expressed. That's what he's talking about here. 
I don't pull back from a family member that is just always treating me a certain way, not the way I want to be treated, always making fun of me when we get together for Noche Buena or New Year's Eve or whatever, or always parking in the wrong way or always eating too much or drinking too much, whatever they're doing. (laughs) You pick it. But in that moment, I'm kind and I'm merciful. I hope you see that. Because what this leads us back to is the cross. Look at verses 32 to 34. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love you. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But you love your enemies. That's the second time he uses that phrase, love your enemies. He started it with love your enemies. He repeats it in verse 35, love your enemies. Be kind Be kind, at the end of verse 35, to those who are ungrateful and evil. Why is that pointing to the cross as the place where God reveals his glory? Because, friend, it's at the cross that God was kind to you, and you were ungrateful, and you were evil. And if you forget that, then you forget glory. You forget glory, and you won't be merciful. You won't be merciful. Listen, this is what John, who was there when Jesus preached this, who was there several years later when Jesus died on the cross as a naked man condemned, writhing in agony for six hours, who was there when Jesus rose from the dead, years later, maybe 35, 40 years later, John wrote this in 1 John 4.10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation, that's the word that points to the cross. To propitiate is if, if I have God's wrath on me, I have a sentence, a guilty sentence, a death sentence. To propitiate is to take away that sentence. Jesus took that sentence and then he gives me that which gives me God's favor now. That's to propitiate. That happened at the cross. That's the glory of God. And we get to live that out when we're merciful to others, particularly when they either sin against us or their weakness affects us. See, we don't hold people hostage to their sin because God did not hold us hostage to our sin. He placed it on Christ. That's propitiation. And he gave us Christ's righteousness. That's propitiation. God's kindness did what for us? It brought us to repentance. Romans 2, 4, the Apostle Paul, who wasn't there when Jesus preached this, but certainly heard about it, said the following under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Or do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience? Oh, well, if God is kind and forbearing and patient, then I can just live however I want to live. No, that's not true. Here's why God is kind and forbearing and patient. Here's why we're kind, forbearing, and patient. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. That's why we move toward others when we're merciful. We don't wait for them to change and come to us. Okay, I guess I'll be merciful to you. No, no. While they're still acting like an enemy, while they're still ungrateful, while they're still not cleaning their room or doing whatever we would like them to do, we move toward them. We do good to those who hate us. We pray for those who are abusing us. We bless those who curse us. Aren't you glad That God moved toward you in kindness before you moved toward him in repentance? If you're not, then A, I would question whether you're a Christian. Or, 
like so many of us, you can forget that in the midst of a holiday season where I feel like every day there's just a big dinner with lots of people at my house. It's like, oh my goodness. What, I, today I said, what day is today? Oh, it's Sunday. Yes, I'm preaching today. That's why I had this microphone on my head. Right? I could forget this. I could forget that God moved toward me first. See, you... Christian, if you're a Christian, you would never have moved toward God if he had not first in kindness and mercy moved toward you. And since he moved toward you first, he's asking and commanding you to move toward others first because you've experienced it. And when we do that, listen to me, God's glory is expressed in the mountains of Costa Rica, on the plains of Kansas, on the beaches of South Florida, in the big city, in the small city, in India, in Africa, in England, Cuba, it doesn't matter. God's glory is expressed when we move toward others in mercy. And here's the deal. When we do that, a fragrance is released, and that fragrance leads the, that person to the cross. It does. And if they're an unbeliever, it may be for the very first time. Now, God's the one that leads them, but he uses that fragrance. <laughs> What is that fragrance? And then the spirit of God comes in with the word of God. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16 on the screen. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things exactly? See, here's the deal. You give mercy. Let God do the eternal judging as to whether that mercy will be life or death to them. Remember again, giving the other cheek isn't that you let people get away with evil. No, if, if a crime is committed, I call the police. And if it's committed against me or my family, I'm going to have to wrestle through some feelings. But justice means that justice is done. They may go to prison, but as they're walking out of the courtroom, having been convicted of that crime, I am not hateful toward them and in vengeance against them and hoping that they die. I am having a heart where I'm praying for them. You see that? But let's be, let's be honest. For most of us, the context for showing mercy is not going to be that kind of sin it's going to be weakness. When someone's weakness intersects with my life and makes me late for something. Or I get to the airport and realize they forgot something. Like when I forgot my driver's license when we were flying out one time with a bunch of people. You know, they won't let you on the plane without an ID. Or whatever it is for you. See, glory at that point is expressed when we are patient and kind. Remember what the scripture says. God says, love is patient and kind. See, weakness is ordained by God to help us learn patience and kindness. It's designed to give us an opportunity to express glory. The next time someone is weak or, or drives like an abuelita and you're late and they're just like hogging two lanes, you know, at that moment saying, oh God, what an opportunity I have to express your glory here. <laughs> Depending on what comes out of my mouth or how closely I tailgate them. See, mercy stirs my heart of sympathy towards someone who's just being weak, maybe even foolish. 
Maybe it does bleed into sin, but mostly it's weakness and foolishness. How do I respond? I love this quote. I think I have it up on the screen. It's from Dave Harvey. Mercy is a train that tows sympathy behind it. You know, imagine a little train conductor, you know, with a little hat. Choo-choo. See, mercy tows sympathy behind it. Are you sympathetic toward the weaknesses of others? How do you treat them? In verse 31, what do we read here? And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. You'd want to be treated with mercy in your weakness. You want to get there on time, but it's been 22 years and you still don't get there on time. You had every intention to get there on time. Here's a clue. If something starts at 1030, that doesn't mean you leave leave the house at 1030. Something us Latins need to learn, okay? Factor in tribe time, parking, saying hi to everybody, kissing everybody on the cheek. Okay. (laughs) How do you respond to limitations in others? With patience, understanding, and sympathetic help? Or are they aware of your daily disapproval? Now listen, let me just stop right here. You know I'm preaching to myself here. Because if you're like me, you're going, ow. Really? First sermon of the year? Come on, man. Can we do something a little more light and bubbly? Make me feel good here. Maybe just a little stand-up routine, a couple of jokes. God's for me. Life's going to be great in 2019. Give me one of those jobbers. Yeah, Because I have a fresh example of you of where I failed miserably to express God's glory. Where the scent on my life last night was not the beautiful fragrance of mercy whatever cologne you like, whatever perfume you like, whatever, whatever flower you love smelling, but it was the horrible stench of rotten food. Yeah, last night. Isn't God faithful? I love it. We're at home. We got family and friends. We're having a blast. Literally, they got there at noon. It was, it was family and some very good friends, if you know what I mean. And uh, we're eating my brother-in-law was there from New York City. We're laughing. Desi's laughing. We, we, it was, we, just, we went from lunch to just hanging out to then we, oh, let's have some dinner. Desi's making dinner. I even helped Desi make the dinner. I know, that's shocking. Sadly, that's the first time I think ever. I cut the potatoes, and I still have all my fingers. And they were really good potatoes. Had some garlic on there, salt. It was roasted nice. Okay, sorry. And then it bleeds into the evening. And all of a sudden, we hear this weird noise outside the front door of my house. And someone said, ha, ha, I wonder if they're towing one of our cars. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure no one tows our cars, right? I go, I go walking out of my front door, and I literally witnessed a vehicle crash into one of the vehicles of our guests that was parked in our driveway. I wish I could tell you that the fragrance that was released at that moment was beautiful and that God's glory was expressed. I, I sadly tell you that it wasn't. Here's the deal. I believe I did the right thing, but I did it in totally the wrong way. Remember I told you mercy doesn't mean you let them get away with it. Police were called, a report, you know. Every, we, that was the right thing to do, right? But my attitude stunk. Stunk. All right, so what do I do? I'm like you. You're like me. You're hearing this sermon. You're going, oh, my goodness. Where do I go? I go to the cross. I say, Lord, please forgive me. 
I've got work to do <clears throat> with my neighbor. Oof. You know, it's, it's one thing to do that like in a parking lot somewhere in, you know, Kendall or something. But, oh, no, it was in my driveway with my neighbor. Glory, glory. Yeah, yeah you're shaking your head going, oh. <laughs> wasn't as bad as an anchor hitting me in the back, but it felt that way spiritually. <laughs> All right, so, so I'm standing in front of you a sinner saved by grace, right? Do you live in the same world I live in? Where people crash into your car, metaphorically speaking, in your driveway, and it's not even your fault? I mean, if it was my fault, it was one thing. I was driving crazy. Not that I drive crazy, but if I were driving crazy. But I, was, I wasn't even in the car. It wasn't even my car. All right, so, so what do I do? Pray for me. I, I've got work to do. I'm willing to do it. I didn't sleep very well last night. But here's what I know. My identity isn't that. My identity is the righteousness of Christ. He died on the cross for that impatience and lack of kindness that I expressed. And he's going to give me an opportunity, I pray, to forge a relationship. I've been praying for that neighbor to meet them. I met them last night. (laughs) Not exactly the way I was hoping. What can I tell you? This is, what, this is where the gospel sings. The gospel meets us where we live. If it doesn't make a difference there, then it's not the gospel, but it does. It does. It does. It does. May, may we be a church that expresses God's glory as we learn to be merciful and kind and patient, especially to the ungrateful and the evil, because we remember that's us. We can show mercy to others because God has shown mercy to us. We can express God's glory by God's grace. The scent of our lives and of this church can be the fragrance of God's glory, the mercy of God. And we can do it humbly. And when we blow it, we can go back and say, I'm sorry. And we can point to the cross. That's the point here. That's the point Jesus is making in this sermon that he preaches, that he's going to illustrate Not just visually on the cross several years later, but olfactory through smell, the fragrance of mercy. And it's the fragrance that gives us new life. Do we express God's glory by releasing the sweet fragrance of mercy? Does our life pass the fragrance test? One last illustration. Uh, I have a really acute sense of smell. That's why I appreciated this idea of not only what the visually what the Christ represent, what the cross represents, but olfactory, you know, the the smell senses what it represents. And I'm usually the first one in the house that smells a bad smell. If something's going bad in the refrigerator, I can smell it. Back when the kids were in diapers, I could smell them. Hey, two rooms away. I think their diaper needs to be changed. What do I do when I smell an awful smell? I go find it and remove it. But in my life sometimes, spiritually, I can have a foul smell that I've become so used to that I don't. By God's grace, may God give us mercy to identify those areas that have the bad fragrance. And say, Lord, would you change me here? I want to be more patient, more kind, particularly toward others' weaknesses. And as he does, church will grow to express his glory. Because that's what it's about, folks. Christianity is about God's glory, not mine or yours. It's about the name of Jesus being proclaimed, not only in word, but in deed. 
Let us pray. Worship team, would you join me in the front? Father, I pray that you would give us much grace this morning. Lord, there, there are many of us that are just broken by our inability to reveal your grace, to express your grace. We just, (laughs) we've blown it, and it's fresh in my mind. So, Lord, I ask for your mercy afresh and anew this morning. I pray for favor where I don't deserve it. I pray for humility where it's so hard often for me to say, hey, I blew it, I'm sorry. I pray for wisdom because we need to be wise, Lord, as we express mercy. It's not just letting folks get away with sin or evil. It's certainly confronting it, but doing so in a way that trusts you, that is kind and patient and courageous. Lord, in those those multitude of times where the weaknesses of others affect us, and right now I just ask you to think about what person or persons have disappointed you. It's weakness. Maybe it's even foolishness. Look, maybe it's even sin, but it's really irked you. You've pulled away. You're not giving them the cheek and friendship anymore. What would God be asking you to do here? Does your life pass the fragrance test right there? Are you expressing God's glory? And if not, then as we worship, just do business with God. This is a time to apply the scripture in song as we sing to the Lord. This is a prayer. You may want to kneel. You may want to whatever. You may just want to just stand and be silent before the Lord or sit wherever you're at. Uh, in a moment when I invite everybody to stand. But just do business with God. It's about you and God. And if you're not a believer, I pray that God would convict your heart, that you would say, I need that mercy because I live my life in rage, bitterness, and vengeance. And it just hasn't worked. I'm miserable. Oh, Father, pour out your grace. See our misery, how lost we can be, God. How foolish and angry and bitter and self-righteous. Bring us peace, Prince of Peace, even as we sing to you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.